hearts. And um, Brother Chris was kind of encouraging folks as far as the singing goes and the devotional this morning. And I know that uh, Miss Jennifer has encouraged Kylie to get the book out and follow along in the book. You know, you know, she's in the early stages of reading. That's one way of learning words. Brother uh, Herbert Williamson, uh, that was the interim pastor here before I got here, he taught himself to read by listening to the Word of God on cassette and following along in the Bible. That's how, and he and he was in Bible college when he learned how to read. And then I know another fellow that was probably in his mid forties, uh, a welder by trade, and he didn't. He was illiterate, didn't know how to read. Got saved, and that's how he learned how to read. Got the Bible on cassette, listened, followed along. That's how he learned how to read. But when I said all this to say this, following along, young people, uh, in in the uh, in the songbook, especially in those parts, I was thinking about that on that on one of those. I guess the first song there we sang. You know the, all the the various parts and things like that, and so you know, uh, follow along in the book and see how it's all uh, put together there. And uh, you look at it long enough, and you hear it, you hear it, you hear it, and you look at while you, you hear it while you're looking, then you'll get it along the way. And I just uh, I, I thank the Lord Lord for the song service and the and the music here at the church, and and uh, we'll work on some more music along the way. But uh, we're coming along and. Uh, and uh, appreciate the, the parts and people able to sing parts and people singing out. You go to other churches and they just don't sing out. And you, you, you know, we get used to singing out. Of course, I got a voice that carries anyway. And people's turning around and going, "Where's that coming from?" And uh, that kind of thing. And uh, you know, take a group of group from our church to another church, and they're all like, "Oh!" And they're encouraged. You see them light up. And if you sing loud at other churches, it encourages them to sing loud. And uh, you see a change in their song service. They're like, whoa, you see, it's encouraging to others. And so, appreciate that. It's encouraging to me this morning. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> Hebrews 13. Did get some, I don't say, uh, enlightenment on a scripture that I have used several times here. Uh, you quoted several times here, read several times here. <laughs> But uh, uh, I looked at it as I was reading this and looked at it a little bit different way. That's not where we're going to go, but I may mention it along the way. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Hebrews 13, and we're going to let's, let's see here. Well, let's start reading verse number one, and we'll put off here in a minute. There's one verse here we're going to get to which by some commentators doesn't fit the context. And uh, that's the one that I'm actually going to be using this morning. <sighs> Hebrews 13, verse number 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness 
and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that, that word so is important there because it links it to verse number five. If you, and I'm just, you put these together here, that contentment that we see in verse number five here and the understanding that um, uh, in that contentment, you were saying to yourself, or that he said, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may. So knowing that, we may boldly go out. So that so is connected there. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, Considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Let's go ahead and grab the next one. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, dear God, for your love and your mercy and your graces, for the privileges to be able to come out once again. Thank you, Lord, for clearing up sickness among uh, the folks here uh, in many cases. And, uh, Lord, some still uh, suffering a little bit from the, the stuff that's been going around. Pray that you'll give grace and help and healing to them. Ask and pray that you'll be with Lisa as she... And gets used to that medicine as she's dealing with the dizziness, dizziness from the side effects thereof. Give her grace and help. Be with those uh, that I expected to see here this morning. It's not here. Lord, you know uh, what's going on in their lives. I pray, Lord, for the ones that are here. And, Lord, help me to minister to them and uh, that you guide me and direct me. Give me utterance uh, in the word. Give me direction in the word this morning. I stand in need and I ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. All right, let's go ahead and deal with 17 while I'm there. The last one. So I have preached this. I've preached a whole message out of, uh, a couple, on a couple of occasions uh, when the Lord has directed me to do this. Uh, and this is not my message today. I'll give you the outline. I just, uh, uh, back up at the verse number 7, remember them which have the rule over you. And, of course, it tells you who that, that is. That's the one speaking to you the word of God who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. I didn't deal with that. I have dealt with the end, end part of that in, in recent months. 
but um, uh, the remember them, I said remember them in uh, pay, I know that's awkward, and I said remember them in prayer, remember them in pay, and remember them in praise, not to the point where you're praising them, I just use that for alliteration's sake, but you know, a good, thank you preacher, I needed that, or a good, you know, that was a good message preacher, you know, sometimes, you know, the preacher's not, you know, just to, to help me to know that uh, maybe the Lord, you know, sometimes I question myself as far as direction goes uh, for the flock. And whenever I get that, or that was a good message, again, I don't need the praise. I want to give God the glory and God the praise and not, not take any of that to myself. But it, it does help as far as what uh, the preacher needs sometimes just to um, maybe encourage him, but then mainly, lots of times in my sake, for the, I use it as, a, as I, am, I, am I on the right road? <laughs> am I leading this flock in the right direction? You know, and, I, you know, and that's positive and, and negative. God, you know, preacher, that was a good message. That really helped me out. Or preacher, you got on my heart this morning. I don't, you know, my toes. People say, I'm not... I'm not aiming at your toes. I'm aiming at your heart. You got my heart this morning. You really, you really got to me, and and so that's that. Both sides there, that you know, helps me to say, okay, I'm where God wants me to be as a preacher, as a pastor, as a shepherd, an under shepherd, if you want to put it that way, which is what pastor means, leading the flock, because you know I seek to do His will. I seek to guide and direct and preach the message that He has. So I preach the message, again, for alliteration's sake, uh, prayer, praise, or pay and pay. But then I get down to, and there's a salute. We're just going to deal with salute there in verse number 24. Salute them that have the rule over you. And that's respect. That's what you go, we have the Air Force Base and the, the history of the salute. Again, uh, I've used this here before, two, uh, uh, two uh, approaching knights back when they were in armor. And they had the visors on their helmet if they approached. And their visor was down, and there was two knights approaching, and they had their visors down. If they left them down, it was on. <laughs> but if one lifted up their visor to expose his face and the other lifted up his visor to expose his face, then that identified each other, and then they passed Without a battle, they passed with respect. And so, hence, it come with the salute as they lifted up his visor, as we salute our superior officers in the military as a sign of respect. You know, that's one reason I, I'm, I say Brother Josh Shepherd to identify which shepherd, since he's a third-generation preacher. And, uh, you know, he's got another brother that's a preacher, uh, ben, Benjamin. So there's Brother Plato Shepherd, Brother Farrell Shepherd, Brother Josh Shepherd, Brother uh, Benjamin Shepherd. He's got an uncle that's a preacher too, Brother Barry. So all these shepherds that are preachers. So obviously, you know, Brother Barry and Brother Farrell are about my contemporaries as far as our age goes. I, I, I call Brother Plato Shepherd, Brother Shepherd, and would just out of respect. You, you guys grew up this way. You, some of us grew up in the country where even though there might not have been your aunt or uncle, you either put a mister in front of it, a miss in front of it, 
an uncle in front of it or an aunt in front of it. Why? Because you, as a little kid, didn't call an adult by their first name. You just didn't do that. So I had some uncles that wasn't my uncle. But because I couldn't just say Rick, I put an uncle in front of it. Uncle Rick. To give him a title. To show that he was an above and a, a little authority in front uh, above me as a as a kid, I getting I got in so much trouble when I was in fourth grade. Well, in in this one instance, it wasn't really I wasn't yelled at. Mr. Bilbury didn't have to look at you, but I was in band in the fourth grade, and they had a student teacher, and she was pretty, and I was a fourth grade student that liked pretty, and. <laughs> So I would flirt with this adult teacher, student teacher, and I thought I was being cute and one thing or another because I found out her first name. And I remember it was on a Friday, and, and I, was, I lingered back behind the class. Everybody was gone except me and that student teacher. And I said, and I'd gotten her first name. I remember it like it was yesterday. I'd gotten her first I can't remember her first name. But I thought I was going to be cute, and on my way out the door, I was going to say goodbye, and I called her by her first name. I said, well, see you Monday, so-and-so. And as I turned around, I met Mr. Bilbrey's belt buckle. <laughs> and I looked up, and he looked down, and he said, you turn her back around and apologize to her and don't ever call her by her first name again. Amen. Yes, sir. So I turned around and I apologized and I didn't ever call her by her first name again. I put a title in front of it. It was Miss Whatever It Was. Being cute. The same thing applies here. It's just some respect. Look, if I'm down at Pollard, I'm, I'm old enough to be Josh Shepard's daddy. <laughs> okay? I've got children his age. But he's the pastor at Pollard Baptist Church. And though I'm old enough to be his daddy, I respect him as pastor at Baller Baptist Church. And if none of his uh, uncle, his, his grandpa, brother, or daddy ain't around, I'm going to call him Pastor Shepherd. That is just a sign of respect. That's saluting him to have the rule over me. You know, and I know some people call me by my first name, but at least put the brother in front of it. And and at, at there at at. Uh, at my secular job, we have a, a whiteboard that has instructions for the students as they come into the class, and, and we have instructor, and we write our name by the instructor so that the students can address us. So every one of the other instructors puts their first name there, and I don't. <laughs> I put Mr. Bell. Because I think, it, I, I, I just look at it this way, and I've told the other instructors, I said, if I have to recognize their rank and call them their rank and their last name, then they're going to recognize my rank and my last It's just respect. It's not that I'm trying to set myself up. It's just respect. Salute them that have the rule over you. So remember them that have the rule over you. Salute them that have the rule over you. I did not I know I was going this way. But we're going to go back up to verse number 8 in a minute. And then obey them that have the rule over you. I've always preached that. I preached it here. 
which kind of goes back up to whose faith follow on that remember part. Obey them to have the rule over you. Whose faith followed? Not that we are to be overlords. We done preach that. Not an overlord over. The preachers should not be overlords over. But at the same time, obey them that have a rule over you and submit yourselves. Colon. It, it explains more after the colon what that's talking about. And I've always... <laughs> Because it says, as they that must give account. Or for, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. I've always preached it until I read it again this morning and seen it in a different light. As they that must give account, I've preached it that when you stand before God, if we, me as a pastor, are called in as a witness, why would I be? But anyway... Called as a witness to your obedience while you sit under me as your pastor. But as I was reading it today, I said, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls. That's what I do. And it was brought out in the Sunday school. And I was just like... That's just that's exactly right. Look, it's it doesn't I don't get up here and try to purposely, I mean, when, like Brother Glenn said, when I have to reprove and when I have to rebuke, look, I don't glory in that. In fact, um that was one of the things that uh, we did, I did with uh, the fourth grade class, a fourth grade class at Hanson School back in Kentucky in my last job, there were three business, three, three or four businesses uh, and three or four elementary schools in the county there that, that they would uh, partner with. The business would partner with a particular school. And they had this little thing that even as early as fourth grade, that, that the, the, a business leader would go in and talk to the fourth grade about career choices. You're like, the fourth grade? Well, it kind of gets some focus. All right, in the fourth grade, talking about the career, and you went over about the job listing, and you went over about the resume, and, and you know, how all that works as far as being hired. And then you encouraged, you know, you showed them, hey, not everybody's destined for college, but those that are and those that put, apply themselves to go that way, you know, they get maybe in a higher income bracket quicker than those working them way up through a trade or something like that. You just dealt with them that way, introduced it to them early. And then at the end of the school year, you, they, the, the fourth grade would come over and they would uh, tour the facility and we'd eat pizza and that thing like that. But, but one of the things that they got to do is ask questions to me uh, as far as, because um, we talked about the interview process, you know, and, uh, one, of the, and one of the things that I, I would have, you know, we had some canned questions but for the class, but one of the questions that, that was uh, asked was what is the, the least, uh, you know, what's the, the, the best thing that you like about your job? Okay, I can talk about my job in that way. What is the least thing that you like about your job? And once I was a supervisor, 
the least, my answer, the least thing that I like to do about my job as a supervisor was reproving and rebuking. Look, because the way I grew up, <laughs> the way that I see my, you know, seen leader, seen adults that they should work is, look, we're all adults and you should show up to work on time, okay? You should do the work that's on your uh, your job description, you know, and you just do it to the best of your ability and go home and you boom, we're done. But when people didn't show up or didn't do the work and I had to go and reprove or rebuke, that was the hardest thing about my job and I didn't like it. And guess what? He put me as a pastor. <laughs> and it is the hardest thing because I, I love you and but what it says, you know, they watch for your, that's what I do. That's my position. I want to see the betterment of the flock. I want to see everybody healthy. Tim's got some cows down there that he deals with from time to time. And as he goes and he looks at them, he looks over his herd, he sees maybe something, one of them or whatever, that just maybe not acting right. And it, it cues him in on something's wrong with that cow. you know. Or he takes the time to put them all in the chute at certain times of the year and give them that... <laughs> That good antibiotic or give him that good vitamin shot or whatever he does to, the, to his herd, but he, 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 he watches over. He looks at it that way, and you're like, are you attributing to us as cattle? No, the Bible is. The Bible, you know, talk, all we like sheep, sheep have gone astray. All of us. And God has put a man under, underneath him to be shepherd over the flock, and to watch for your souls. Look, not to, not to put a feather in my hat. Not to overlord over you. But a real genuine concern over your spiritual health. And there's things that I feel in my heart. <laughs> that I pray over and, in God, and pray that if God would in time allow me to address it. <laughs> in his time, in his place. But when you see things, I do pray for those things. And, and you know, sometimes it's difficult. We, we've heard of that sheep that just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and, and the, the shepherd just keeps running after and keeps running after and finally the shepherd might have to do something and break the leg. <laughs> That'd keep him going, but it would keep him close. It ought not to be that way. But again, there's my, my, I may be kind of skewed in my thing. Everybody should just be adults about it, right? But that's just it. We're not that way. We're human. We're sheep. We have tendencies to be drawn away. We have tendencies to be drawn away of our own lust, the Bible tells us. And so obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your... I'm a watchman. And I'm watching not for your prosperity, although I want to see you prosper. I, I, I'm, 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 I am a watchman. That's why, you know, I give folks liberty. You know, you come in and say you take on a job or so-and-so's taking... I, I'm not ruling over that. There are preachers we, some of us know, and have known in their past 
that, you know, uh, just preaches against you owning a new car. But they expect to drive one and want the church to get it for them. Hmm, something's wrong with that picture, isn't it? And, uh, and I, I, I know the crowd. And uh, could you put names on that, that same statement that I just made. But look, yes, they, they want to see, you know, rejoice with them that rejoice. Uh, mourn with them that mourn. But when you come in, you got a good job, or you come in, you got another car, you come in, you got this, that, that, God's prospering, God's blessing you. I'm to rejoice in that blessing over you. I'm not to govern what you, you know. I mean, you know, I'm not to get up here and say everybody in the, in, you know, in the congregation should drive a Chevrolet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a new one. No, I'm just playing. But there are people that's like that. That just really, but I'm but I'm to watch for your souls as they watch for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. So I've always put that giving account on you for not obeying. That ain't what it says. You know what it says when I read it again this morning. It said I am going to give account. You talking about some heavy stuff? I recently, Lord's in this, I recently, uh, well, one of the things that I try to do in my, in my secular teaching, because I have a mixed multitude <laughs> before me, I have all ranks. I have a one-striper and I have a colonel in the same room sometimes. And the one-stripers, you know, they're 17, or I'm sorry, they're 18, 19, 20, maybe, you know, and, and, I, and I remember back when I was a one and two striper, you know, and I, my world was right here. I got up, put my uniform on, went and looked at the job, po- you know, the, the job posting, drew my weapon, went out to the, to the post, worked my eight hours, went back to the dorm, lived the dorm life. I did that, three swings, three mids, three days off. I didn't care about what happened on the base as a whole, even what happened in the squadron or the base level or even Air Force level. But that, I was just, I got up, I'm a uniform on, just worked my eight hours, six days a week, went three days off, and that was my world. And then as I matured in age and matured in rank and went to pre-NCO school, that's non-commissioned officer school, leadership school, you know, they're preparing you to be a leader, then they start putting a little bit more responsibility on you, and you start realizing, hey, it's not just about me. Now it's about me and. So what I try to do in, in the, the, the subject that I teach, the lower-ranking people at a certain <laughs> A certain after a certain event will have to report what they see and hear to command. And I try to get them to see that command is in a hardened facility with no windows, <laughs> and they can't just look out and see what's going on. The people that are out there have to report that information to command and control. 
command and control are the ones making decisions. They're controlling the situation. They're making some decisions that weigh, that can weigh really heavily upon them. And so uh, here's where I've been doing this lately. And I said, so the information that the lower ranks bring into the upper ranks, the upper ranks takes that information and makes decisions. Now, if the information that the lower ranks bring into the upper ranks is bad information or not whole information, partial information, then the upper ranks may make decisions like take your gas mask off. And if, if there's gas out there, but that information didn't get, but based on the information he had, he made that decision and people died based on his decision. I said, and I, I look at the younger ranks. I said, whose weight is that on? What is the, who's, what is the, who, where is the weight of that decision? It's on the commander's shoulders. So I stress the importance of the young people getting the good information to the senior people so that they can make good decisions because his decisions he'll have to give account for. And if people die because of his decisions, which could happen in that environment, then he's going to have to live with that decision. And when I read this again this morning, I said, uh-oh, it's not that <laughs> as me giving an account for you is that I am going to stand before God and give an account for you. Not, uh, and you're going to give an account for yourself, but I'm going to give an account as your pastor. And that brings me back up to whose faith follow. I mean, that's tough stuff right there. You're to follow my faith. You're to follow my leadership. And if, as we prayed last Sunday, and then we prayed prior to that, anointed with oil, just following the scriptures. And we talked about prayer, and we talked about faith. You know, and I leave here going, was I the example that I needed to be? Can they follow my faith? All kinds of question marks. When I stand before God, <laughs> have you followed my faith? And the obedience, the submission. If we do something as a church, we're having conference tonight, not that I've got anything on the agenda, but if in one of our business meetings on the third Sunday, we bring things up that is just gone, well, we have never done that before. <laughs> this is a new pastor. I don't think I want to eat in. But if that's the way God's leading me to lead you, See what I'm saying? And then if your pressure on me keeps me from following the will of God, I'm going to have to give an account for your obedience. Whew. And for my watchfulness over your souls. As they that must give account, must, whew, that's a tough word. It just hit me that way this morning. I thought, my, my, my. That they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So I get to give an account, but the profitability will be on your obedience. Woo. 
That's the way I work. I mean, like I said, there's I that was in my original thought until I got it right up here, and then just after that way. I want to go back up to verse number eight. When I looked, one commentator that I looked at to try to find some guidance because like the second commentator I looked at, he said that verse of scripture is out of context. I mean, it's out of place in the, in the context. It reads, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you put it, and when you read the context, like we did the first 10 verses of this, uh, the first 17 verses of this passage, he's going through, and he, uh, both of those commentators basically had the same, what he's dealing with here. One commentator said he talks about love in verse number one. He talks about, he talks about um, hospitality in verse number two. He talks about... Uh, the body and remembering them in the bonds, but then as the body, as the church, realizing that they in bonds for their Christianity, they are part of the body that's suffering. And as they suffer, we, being in the same body, suffer. So he points that out. And then he talks about marriage is honorable in all things. Talking about some, uh, oh, I can't remember the word. Uh, morality, I guess, there in verse number four. Our conversation uh, in verse number five, that it's without covetousness. And our contentment, verse number five and six. And then, you know, he, he speaks to the man of God. He, he, he talks about who that is in verse number seven. The one that's spoken to you the word. Considering the end of their conversation, there's another some C's there. So contentment, considering the conversation of the man of God and faith, and following his faith, and then so he's got he's on a roll here. It's almost you know the writer of Hebrews. One person attributes it to Paul. I'm not going to go there. The writer of Hebrews <laughs> is who I'm going to say. So the writer of Hebrews at the end of the chapter, at the end of uh, the ending chapter, at the end of the book, is he's getting ready to to say goodbye, to salute his salutation here. I mean, his, his ending of the letter here, the book. So then he's, he's, it was almost as if when he gets to verse, chapter 13, he's like, oh, just some little, little nuggets, like in the Proverbs. Uh, I need to tell them this. Boom. Let, let brotherly love continue. Just little, little statements, that little profound statements Doctrinal statements, boom, 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 and then verse number eight. And it just really kind of awkwardly, in a, in, as you're reading, he's talking to the, to, the, you know, to the ones that he's writing to here that we read in chapter number one. Uh, he's writing to the Hebrews, or the Hebrew saints, and we know that there. Because it goes, God is a sundry time. He just starts off not like other letters there. But uh, so he is boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's the, the, the verse of Scripture God laid on my heart. I'm going, what? So I looked at it, and then I looked at Malachi chapter 3. Everybody done puckered up, I know. 
Malachi chapter 3. And um, let's see here if I can find it. There it is. Verse number 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. God changes not. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Psalm 102. Psalm 102, verse number... Let's see here. Verse number 24. Psalm 102, verse 24. I said, O my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy thy years are throughout all generations. Of old thou... That's yesterday. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday. Here in Psalm, the psalmist says, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. And both the commentators said that the, the, the two words, the same, is a single uh, Hebrew word that means the same, and it's attributed to God. He's the same. He's not going to change. I change not, he says. I, I the Lord, I, you know, he changes not. And then here, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's kind of an odd placement. One commentary didn't even go there. Didn't even talk about that verse. He just went from verse 7 to verse number 9. The other one, when I just started, started listening to it, I pulled a little book off my shelf once I got here, and just read the very first paragraph, and it said, he went on into most people think that that's in a, that the King James uh, uh, translators just mistakenly put that there or wasn't considering because that, that thought and that principle and that knowledge and truth, there we go, is, is, is already been discussed in the Hebrews. So why in the world did they put it there? You know, and I got to thinking about that, and my concern or my thoughts is in putting it, again, I'm a contextual type of person, okay? Why does that there and why is it there for is my question to the Lord this morning. And the thing that I can come up with, not, not just in what we've already talked about, but the fact is that the writer here in chapter 13 deals with these things. His principles, his precepts, his word. And so many times I think that we, especially in 2022, getting ready to go into 2023, the 21st century, 
church versus the first century church, we think that it's different now. And God, oh, and, and that's another thing. Some of these churches, I've seen, you know, these, this little video of uh, the top 10, these, these top 10 non-biblical church signs. I appreciated what Brother Glenn had said over at the other place, you know, about the church sign, that we try to put scripture out there and not just these quaint sayings. Even though they might be, you know, thought-provoking or whatever in a positive manner, look, give them the, give them the book. Give them the word. We announce our revivals and we announce our special meetings out there. But other than that, there's scripture out there on that sign. And there's people that will take their, their modern day philosophy and try to mingle it in with a, the old-fashioned gospel, and that don't work. Amen. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's the we 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 attribute Jesus Christ. As the word, right? First John, I mean John chapter one. The same was with God. Same was God. He was in the beginning with God. And he is God, Jesus Christ. So that's the same God in Malachi chapter three that says, I am the Lord, I change not. He's the same there in Psalm 102. He's the same. He's he's established. Look, he the, the big word for that is immutable. The immutability. He's fixed. He's not going to change. So when he says, when he gives us these commandments, and, and there's a lot of things that I think that we as, and no, salvation is by grace through faith, and justification, it was the same way, justified before the law, justified in the law, justified currently in the gospel, in the church, it's by grace through faith. Always has been, always will be. Got to believe. And I know that there was a law and there was the things established there. We dealt with some of the dietary laws this morning in the Sunday school hour. That was attributed to the Jews and and he dealt with it. I'm not going to re-preach what he, he taught there. It was attributed to the Jews. The Gentiles didn't have that. We ate shrimp. <laughs> the Jews couldn't. I ate some shrimp the other night. It was good stuff. And the next time it's presented to me, I'll eat it again. But there are some things and principles and precepts in the Word of God in the Old Testament that is put into the New Testament, just follows right along that we as God's people and God's church are to follow, but because we, and I say this in a broad sense, Christendom nowadays, and probably bring it on down to Sooner Rose Baptist Church, we may have a concept in our hearts and our minds that certain things don't apply to us because. Has God changed? No. I showed you in the Psalms that he's the same. I showed you in Malachi, he changes not. And I'm showing you right here that when we deal with brotherly love, when we deal with hospitality, when we deal with morality, when we deal with contentment, 
Look, principles found throughout the scriptures. The writer of Hebrews says, look, I think that's why God had him put it there. Because as people are reading these things at the end of Hebrews, they might get this little concept of, oh, that's old, that's, you know, that's old, uh, old school. That's old, you know, grandpa believed that way, but it doesn't apply to us today. Who are you following? Who does the church belong to? Who is the church? <laughs> I found another little, little place, and we might look at that in a second, but the church is, in one passage of Scripture, attributed to be the body of Christ. And if we're in Him and He's in us, and He changes not, He expects some things of us that we're to follow regardless of what we feel. And, I, th- and, as, and I, th- I think that this is a precursor of maybe what the messages may come our way on some things that God has not changed his mind on that we have got in our mind and we may be wrong about, maybe based on some preaching that we've heard that was not necessarily lined up here in the Word of God, including me, just like verse number 17. I'm the one that's going to have to do it. Hmm. But he's changed his not. Let's go to First, Second uh, Corinthians, chapter eleven. Paul deals with this a little bit, and you know that the Corinthian church is a carnal church. <laughs> they had some real problems that Paul dealt with in person, and Paul dealt with back with these letters to the church at Corinth. They had some leaven, which is some sin, come up into the church, and it affected a lot of people. They were told to put that out. But at the same time, he was, he told, uh, Paul told the Corinthian church, that, and this was kind of already alluded to there in Romans, that we have a spirit, or in the Sunday school lesson, we have a spirit of reconciliation as a church. If we can restore them, if they will be restored like the old Baptists that went in their, in their conferences brought up and asked about Matthew. Look, have you gone to them first? There is church discipline. It's right out of the Bible. But how many churches practice that? Especially as we go forward. But... We get in our mindset, oh, that was for them, not for us. Why? Jesus Christ changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 1. Would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Does that not correspond with Hebrews 13, 17. As they, what or for they, let me read it. As I'm getting my words wrong. For they, watch for your souls. There we go. As they must give an account. Okay. 
I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. That's why I don't... Preacher, he's talking to the church at Corinth, the local church at Corinth. And that's why, you know, he brought it up. He he apparently got right with it. (laughs) But that's why the pastor doesn't necessarily mind if a special meeting is going on that we as a church can go, and I encourage you to go get some little extra preaching on special meetings Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. But Sunday and Wednesday, this is where you need to be. Why? Because I'm jealous over your soul. Jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Look, you're my flock. You're God's flock at Sooner Rose. This is where you need to be. You're part of the body of this local assembly. And if you're the thumb and the thumb's missing, it affects the body. If you're the ear and the ear's missing, you're not here. Why? Because I decided to go down the road and hear brother so-and-so because they're down there this Sunday. Mm. (laughs) For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So we're Christ's body. But then that kind of gives the connotation of the bride too, right? But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted with the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, Or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So Paul is saying, look, there's another, there's people that preaches other Jesuses, there's other spirits that we already know from other scripture that we're supposed to try the spirits, and there's other gospels all through the scripture. And he's warning them. Look, I've got a godly jealousy over you. I don't want to see you go astray. I've got a godly jealousy over you and I'll, because I'm going to give an account as a watchman over you. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ. Look, and like I said, there are some misconceptions about Jesus that he's changeable. Like some people... <laughs> This Pam will appreciate this. Like some people say about our Constitution, that it's a living document that can be changed at somebody's whim. No. That's what's wrong with our nation. <laughs> because we just pick and choose the parts of the Constitution that we want to, uh, to obey when it goes to the, to the Supreme Court and they're supposed to see if the laws are constitutionally founded and sound, and if not, but they change the rules all the time. Hillary Clinton was never, ever, 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 according to the Constitution, supposed to be Secretary of State, having had been a senator prior to, in the the times frame prior to, because 
the salary of the Secretary of State was um, chosen and, and, and set by the Congress. And there's a conflict of interest there. But did that keep her from being Secretary of State? No. Because they just thumb their nose at the laws and do their own thing. And if we just get back to the Constitution, but bring it back where we're at, if we get back to the Bible, he's the word. He changes not. He's the same yesterday and today, today, yesterday and forever. But we're having these other Jesuses coming in. In our minds, we're saying, oh, Jesus will understand. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Jesus understand. Really? Are you following Jesus? Are you following his precepts? Are you changing his precepts to make it fit you? Changing his law to make it fit you? Changing his commandments to make it fit you? Jesus hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. He's the same. So as we, we talk about our sanctification, and there is sanctification, we are sanctified positionally when we're born again. When we're born again, the blood's applied to us. God sees us through the blood. So we are sanctified positionally. All of our past sins, our present sins, our future sins are under the blood. Positionally sanctified. But there's a sanctification where we're growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as a child of God where we may have some weights that we're to lay aside. Some things that are hindering us in our walk with Christ. Some things that are hindering us in our growth with Christ. And we're to lay those weights aside. That is a sanctification that takes place, that God is just taking those things out of our lives. I chewed tobacco for several years after I was saved. But in time, God took that away. The cussing stopped immediately. There's things that will happen quickly. There's things that will, that you know, well, I'll take it back. I did fall into some of that words. Just as easy to say. One of the things that I was smoked when, when my oldest daughter got about that big and she started saying some things that she heard, and I said, oh, we ought not to be saying those things. And then the Holy Spirit said, yeah, you ought not to be saying those things. Oh, they're not the bad ones. We're going to give an account for every idle word the Bible tells us in Matthew. He's the same. So as we look into the sanctification of things that we're to put off, and the things that we're to put on, and the way that we're ought to live, not, you know, and not having the excuse of, well, God looks on the inward man. He does, and that's from Scripture. God looks on the heart. That's right. Man looks on the outward man, but if you're the example, if, like the, the, the song and the, the little phrase, if you're the only Bible... That some people read, can they see Christ in you? 
like Colossians says, the hope of glory? Or are they seeing somebody that just looks like them, acts like them, talks like them, walks like them, goes to the same places like them? Well, I'm just as good as them. I don't need their Jesus. Hmm. Things to consider. Jesus hasn't changed. Have we changed him to make him fit us? Have we changed him to make it convenient for us in the way that we're living? Has he told you things to do that you're not doing? Has he told you things not to do that you're doing and things to do that you're not doing? He's not changed. We read something, he said, oh, that must not, oh, that was, that, that was to that church, that congregation. Oh, that was over in the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to me. Really? Reconsider that after today's message. All right? That's what I got.